Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and as you can probably tell from my voice, this has been a pretty rough week for me health-wise, and being able to get a regular podcast done for you. But this is actually going to be good timing and a great opportunity for you as well. You see, this week in our newsletter, we've been talking about everyday carry backup weapons that you should have besides a firearm. And one of the ones that I carry everywhere is a tactical pen. Now, I've been a convert for a few years now. We even did a special training workshop some time ago for our Close Combat Training Association. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to share that training with you as a special broadcast this week, as well as feature a chance for you to pick up a tactical pen for your own everyday carry weapon arsenal. All you have to do is go to www.moderncombatandsurvival.com slash pen. And now, here's our operations manager, Buck, with your special training. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. You are about to get on a plane. You are about to walk across a college campus. You are about to be admitted to a hospital for an extended stay. You're staring at a metal detector and a very eager security guard with a wand. It doesn't matter what the scenario is. For whatever reason, you cannot carry the gun or the tactical knife that you depend on to protect your life and to protect your family. You are about to enter a non-permissive environment. So what do you do? Hello, everyone. I am Buck Green, Operations Director. And tonight, we're going to talk about an alternative weapon that you can carry into most non-permissive environments. You might be thinking that improvised weapons are the way to go, and that's fine. There certainly are things in the world around you that you can choose to employ as expedient weapons. Every improvised weapon has one thing in common, though, and that is that you've got to have it in order to use it. In other words, what do you use if you've just gotten off a plane or you just walked into a museum or you're in any of several places where you need a weapon and all you have is what's already in your pocket? The alternative, as we will discuss tonight, is the tactical survival pen. A pen is a pretty widely accepted implement in our society. Everybody needs one sometime, and pens are easy to get your hands on no matter where you are. In the last few years, however, the tactical pen has become all the rage in some circles. There's an old saying that goes, the pen is mightier than the sword, except in the dark. With the advent of the tactical pen, that's no longer true. The irony is that the tactical pen exists simply because it is masquerading as something it is not. It is supposed to be a tool first and a weapon second, a politically correct force multiplier that won't necessarily be seen as a weapon at all. The problem lies in the sort of tactical arms race between consumers of these tools of self-defense implements and a society that increasingly disapproves of any personal weapon. No sooner is a new covert tool introduced then awareness of its existence defeats its stated purpose. In other words, once people start to understand and recognize the new covert tactical tools, suddenly it's not covert anymore. Uh, then, too, there is the fact that most tactical pens are very obviously finely made and machined impact tools. 
they're knurled, they're fluted, they're very pointy. Uh, often they bear the names of widely known knife and gun manufacturers. You know, if your tactical pen says Smith & Wesson or Benchmade across it, uh, people are going to notice. Now, this has prompted some people to dismiss the tactical pen as sort of the armed citizen's security blanket, a talisman that makes a mostly unarmed person feel better. I can't carry my gun, I can't carry my knife, but at least I have this pen that says Smith & Wesson on it, so I, I feel better about that. People say, well, you're not really doing yourself any favors. The fact is, the tactical pen does have a purpose, and it does have a reason to exist. It is an extremely useful tool, and tonight we are going to talk about the best uses of that tool. Now, what is a tactical pen? We're not just talking about any pen. There's a specific product category for tactical pens that encompasses those tools, those pens that are designed to be used as impact weapons. Now, there are very many finely made pens in the world that come with metal bodies and often offer, you know, a great deal of traction. There are some models that are more expensive than others. There are some sort of yuppie demographics, or we used to call them yuppies, because I'm dating myself with that phrase, but excuse me. There are people in the world who always carry very expensive pens with them, and they're very expensive pens being made of metal and textured, reasonably sized, are suitable as weapons. But these pens were not designed to be weapons. There are in the world several companies now, some of them knife manufacturers, some of them not, who produce a tactical pen specifically designed to be an impact weapon first and a writing implement second. So, for our purposes, the tactical pen is any writing implement that comes in a sort of hardened form factor with some means of improved traction. It is a metal pen that has texturing so that you can hold on to it. It could be pointy or it could be blunt. It could be knurled or fluted. The texturing doesn't matter so long as the texturing exists. It's really strong, it's really hard, and it's really painful when you get jabbed or poked with it. That is our working definition of a tactical pen. That's all there is to it. Now, again, any, any pen that meets this description can be used as such, but it's undeniable that there are pens marketed as tactical poking devices. They are impact weapons, and they are sold as such, and the people who sell them to you intend you to tuck that tactical pen in your pocket with the expectation that if you ever need to jab it in the face of a bad guy, you can. So, if we accept the concept, the idea that a very hard, either blunt or pointy object, the size of a pen in your pocket, is useful, then we must then look for what to, what to buy. How do we know what qualities we require in a tactical pen? There are many on the market. There are more on the market than probably are necessary, and thus we have many, many choices in front of us. So what do we look for? It doesn't have to be the most expensive on the market. It doesn't have to be even the nicest looking. It does have to have certain qualities, though. First of all, your tactical pen needs to be reasonably large. This is because you need to be able to get a good grip on it, and you need to have some of it sticking out from your hand in order for you to effectively poke the other guy. Now, there are some very small, compact tactical pens on the market. There are even some small sort of tactical styluses. We'll get into that. 
they aren't really long enough. And the smaller the pen is and the smaller around it is, the harder it's going to be for you to get a grip on it. Remember that in a fight, the adrenaline dump of an actual self-defense encounter is supposed to turn you into a lobster-clawed, helpless mutant who can only use gross motor functions. Well, if that's the case, then you don't want the tiniest, finest, pointed little, you know, miniature tactical pen in your pocket. You want something of reasonably good size that you can wrap your fist around. Your tactical pen should be metal. Most of the tactical pens on the market are aluminum. There are some that are made of other metals like titanium or, uh, you know, other relatively lightweight but sturdy metals. You don't want plastic. Anyone can buy a plastic pen. I suppose in a pinch, a plastic pen is better than nothing. Just like if you were to use a flashlight as a striking implement, a plastic flashlight is better than nothing, but you want a metal flashlight if at all possible. The fact is you will have no difficulty finding a metal-bodied tactical pen, so make sure yours is metal. You want to make sure that that metal is textured so that the tactical pen will not slip out of your hand. The exact type of the texturing doesn't matter. Uh, it could be knurled. Knurling is a, sort of a crosshatch pattern in the metal. When you run your hand across it, you can feel the friction that that crosshatch pattern creates. That is when you help your hand not to slip along the barrel of the pen. It could be fluted, which are sort of grooves cut into the pen. It could have rings cut into it, you know, and look like something out of a 1950s space movie. It doesn't matter as long as the pen isn't, you know, smooth as glass and something that will squeeze right out of your grip the moment you have to try and hang on to it. The pen should be painful, and by that I mean when you jam it into someone else, the end should be small enough that that's painful. Almost any pen is going to be this. It doesn't matter if it's rounded, if it's blunt, if it's tapered into a very pointy tip. Some tactical pens are sharp enough at the end you could stab people with them with the cap on or off. Most tactical pens, the actual writing implement end, is sharp enough that you could stab someone with it. You may recall the movie Gross Point Blank with John Cusack, where he he fights his, is actually Cusack's real-life kickboxing instructor, uh, uh, Benny the Jet Riquidez. He fights him in the hallway of a high school, and the fight is going badly until he remembers that somebody gave him a pen. So he actually clicks the point of the pen out and rams it in his enemy's neck. Well, any tactical pen with the cap off is sharp enough to stab someone. But many of these tactical pens are tapered such that you can stab with the body of the pen. Your pen does not have to have uh, an aggressive sort of presentation to it. There are some pens that are marketed as having a quote-unquote DNA catcher. This is nothing more than uh, a little crenellation uh, like the tip of some flashlights. It's sharp and it's pointy like it has teeth. And the idea is when you ram it into the other guy, it's going to cut a circle out of him, and I don't know, you're supposed to bring your proud circle of skin to the police and say, here, analyze his DNA, officers. You don't need that. You just need a pen that hurts when you poke somebody with it. Um, some pens have interchangeable end caps. Uh, some of them have points, and some of them are more styled to look more like, uh, you know, graduated cylinders. Uh, pen caps are designed to look like pen caps. Imagine that. I know of at least one knife on the market whose pocket clip has interchangeable caps so that you can have it sharp to break glass with or it can look like a pen sitting in your pocket. Well, the tactical pen that you buy could have a profile that looks more or less aggressive depending on how pointy it is. 
Ideally, if you can get a sharp point on the end of your tactical pen for use in breaking glass, like breaking out windows and such, that's a good thing. You want that option if you can have it, and that is one argument for having a pointy tip on the end of your tactical pen as opposed to having it be blunt. Any, any pen-sized object, though, when rammed into your body at high speed, it's going to hurt, and it's going to hurt a lot. Finally, if your tactical pen has a pocket clip on it, that's good. It doesn't have to have it, but it's good if it does. When pocket clips came along in the knife industry, they were new. It was a new idea. Until then, people either put a pocket knife, imagine that, in their pocket, or they put it in a sheath on their belt. When the pocket clip came along, a lot of people really took to the idea of an implement that keeps their knife right in their pocket in the same place at the same time so that their draw is more consistent. The knife is where you left it, unless. And here's where we get to the drawback of pocket clips. Anything clipped to your pocket can conceivably snag on something else, get dragged out of your pocket, and be lost. And there are people in the knife world who hate pocket clips because they think of them as a means of losing their precious knives. Well, I happen to think that a pocket clip on a tactical pen is a very good thing. It gives you more options for carrying the pen. You will talk about those options for carrying and, and deploying your pen. Uh, but you don't have to have a clip if your favorite tactical pen comes without it. That choice is really up to you. All right. We have talked about the basics. Let's get a little further into this. The refill that your pen uses, oh, by the way, would you actually like to use your tactical pen as a pen? It doesn't matter what refill you choose. A lot of tactical pens use like Fisher Space Pen refills because those seem to be readily available. Other tactical pens use other types of refills. The secret to pen refills is to take the, the ink unit out of your pen. Go to the store where they sell replacement ink for nicer pens where you actually don't just throw the whole pen away. And, uh, you know, like the one brand is Parker. There are other brands out there, pens that they may not all be metal pens, but they're nice enough that people don't just discard the whole thing when the pen runs dry. You take your ink insert, you go to the store, and you match it to whatever is out there. You match it to, you know, something that approximates the size and the length of your ink insert. And it doesn't even have to be perfect as long as it's roughly the same size the idea being that once you put it in the pen with a little spring in there, it should, you know, it should still work. Your pen should still function as a writing implement. And I can't stress this enough. If you're going to carry a tactical pen, make sure it does write. Why bother carrying around something that can't be used as a pen? Now, <coughs> how do we use the tactical pen? You can hold your tactical pen in your fist in sort of a classic hammer grip, projecting from the top of the hand uh, or, you know, sticking out in sort of a, a pointer grip. You can, you can smash with your hammer hand with your pen coming out of the bottom of your hand, or you can poke with the pen coming out of the top of your hand in that pointer grip. You can extend your index finger along the length of the pen as if you're pointing with your finger, but you're really pointing with the pen itself. These different grips have different amounts of control versus power. The hammer fist grip with the pen is the most powerful. Make your fist. Your pen projects from the bottom of your hand. You smash as if you're trying to, you're trying to hit something 
on a tabletop, let's say. It's a downward motion. Uh, picture an angry Soviet premier pounding the table and going, we will bury you. Sorry, that's another reference that's going to date me. Um, when, you, when you pound with the bottom of your fist, that's a very powerful motion. The hammer fist is a very useful, natural weapon because when you pound with the bottom of your fist, you're less likely to injure your hand even when striking a hard surface. Well, now, shove a pen in there. You can drive that pen downward with a great deal of force. You can really stab that pen into whatever you're attacking. I should stress that when you're striking with the tactical pen, whether or not you actually penetrate the enemy, whether or not the pen actually enters his body, is not important. If I stab at you with the pen and the pen pokes you really hard and doesn't break your skin, it's still very painful. Um, picture being jabbed in the gut with somebody's fingers. Well, most people's fingers aren't going to pierce your skin, but if I take two fingers and I poke you really hard in the stomach, it's probably going to hurt, and that's because I'm, a com- I'm compressing your body as I'm poking at you. Well, do that with a rigid implement that can't feel pain and is much less likely to break than the bones of your hand, and you've got a tactical pen, and it really hurts. So we covered grips for the tactical pen that dictate the use of the tactical pen. You have your hammer grip, which is where the pen projects beneath your hand, and you smash with it. You have your pointer grip, which is where you sort of poke the pen in front of you as if you're holding a magic wand, and drive that tip forward. The pointer grip is useful when attacking like the eyes or a target of precision because you want better control over the point of the pen. When smashing with your hammer fist, you don't have a whole lot of control over the point. That's a very blunt kind of approach. When poking in the pointer grip, it's much more easy for you to control where the tip of the pen goes and you can more accurately target something like your opponent's eyes. Remember, this isn't easy even at the best of times because he's moving around. He's not just standing there waiting for you to find his eyeball. Then there's the reinforced grip, which takes advantage of your your body's natural neural pathways. If I take my pen and I hold it in my hand and I extend my index finger down along the barrel of the pen such that I'm pointing at you with both my index finger and the pen, I my body remembers what it's like to point and gesture with my index finger. So wherever I point with my index finger, I'm also pointing with the pen. And if it sticks out a little farther than my finger, when I stab with my finger, I'm stabbing with the pen. And that is one way of taking advantage of your body's natural memory for pointing at things in order to reinforce your accuracy in pointing and sticking with the pen. Regardless of how you grip the pen, your targets are those things that it hurts to get poked in. Now, get your minds out of the gutter. I can hear you now. The fact is, there are places on the human body that are more vulnerable to getting poked than others. The throat, the hollow of the throat, the neck, the eyeballs, and to a lesser extent anywhere on the face, are all places where you don't want to get jabbed with a pen. If you're striking in the hammer grip, and so your pen has a great deal of muscular force behind it, it's also extremely painful to get struck in the upper chest uh, or, let's say, in the upper arm or even sometimes in the leg, um, depending on what targets are available to you. You you really, targeting is not something that you can force. There is a concept in self-defense wherein we always attack the closest target 
with the closest weapon. If my other hand, the hand that doesn't have the pen in it, happens to be closer than the bad guy, than the hand that does have the pen in it, well, I can't very well force my, well, I can, I can force the issue and try to maneuver myself so I bring my pen to bear, but that's what we call tool fixation. Tool fixation is this problem that occurs when we decide that because we have a given tool, in this case our tactical pen, we must use it. Well, if I can much more quickly grab you by the face with my left hand, then I can move my body to bring my pen around and stab you in the face with my right hand that has a tactical pen in it. Why would I do that to myself? I would only do that if I was fixated on the tool. It's that old saying, when the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Some people, when you give them a weapon, any weapon, they suddenly become fixated on that weapon because, well, I have it, I have to use it, right? Well, no. Your weapon is there to provide you with an option. And if the weapon provides you with an option when you need it, great. All weapons, including the tactical pen, are force multipliers. What do we mean by force multiplier? A force multiplier is a means of doing more work with less effort. It's like a lever. If I have a lever, I can move a heavy object with less power than if I didn't have the lever. It requires less effort on my part. A weapon enables me to do more hurting with less effort than I can with my bare hands alone. That means I can either hurt more people or do more hurt to one person than I could otherwise. The weapon is, is multiplying the force of my actions such that it now becomes possible for me, the lone defender, to take on an opponent who is much more uh, large or much more powerful or to take on an opponent who is more plentiful, meaning I'm facing multiple opponents. Look at it this way. If I am alone and I have nothing in my hands and two guys are facing me and they want to beat me up, I'm in pretty big trouble. Put a tactical pen in my hand, I'm still in pretty big trouble. But now, the first time I punch one of those guys, I haven't just punched him. I've stabbed him in the face with a metal pen. And that sort of thing changes the odds more in your favor. It can really change the momentum and give you the initiative in a, a self-defense scenario. Okay. Um, we have talked about targets. We've got the head, the face, the neck, the hollow of the throat, the muscles of the arm or chest. The wrist is another good target. Uh, nobody, just try it lightly. Take a pen and jab it into your own wrist. Lightly. There's all kinds of things on the inside of your wrist that you don't want to get poked. There's there's blood vessels in there. There's tendons. It just it sucks to get jabbed there. Turn your hand over and poke yourself, you know, about where you would wear a wristwatch. That hurts too. Move the pen and smash down on the top of the hand. Oh, that's very painful. And depending on the size and the weight of the pen and depending on the amount of force behind it, you can do a great deal of damage to the top of the hand. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, how am I going to target the top of his hand? Well, let's say you're standing there minding your own business and some big gorilla grabs you by the shirt and his hand is now on your chest. Well, if you take your tactical pen and you smash it into the top of his hand, I'm willing to bet that you're going to make him change his mind about the behavior he has just initiated. All right. You can carry your tactical pen in any of several ways. Let's assume that our pen has a clip on it. Uh, any of these methods that you can't do without a pocket clip obviously don't apply, but 
You could carry it in your pocket. You could carry it in your shirt pocket. Um, you could carry it with the clip inside your pants pocket so that it's clipped there like a knife. You can carry it in a shirt pocket. You can carry it in the neckline of your shirt, meaning the pen is sort of in your shirt and clipped to the fabric of, of the neckline. Uh, you could even put it in your waistband. I don't know of anybody who carries a tactical pen that way, but it is an option. Deploying your tactical pen is always going to be the same. We go about our day, and we often forget about the accessories that we carry with us. That's not a bad thing, as long as you remember that they're there when you need them. But the thing about daily living is we shift our clothes move. Things roll around on us. And in an altercation, when somebody's on top of us beating us or we're throwing punches or, you know, you're, you're clinched up with somebody or in any of several ways that things could be going horribly awry, your pocket contents and the accessories you're carrying with you can move. Hopefully they're still with you. If they're not still with you, we've got a bigger problem. But if they move, you've got to figure out where they went. So the first step in deploying a tactical pen is always to slap your hand down on your own body on the area where the pen is supposed to be. Hopefully your hand finds that pen. Um, if you miss it completely, you've got to shift your hand around. You know, let's say your pen is in your waistband. You slap your waistband, you don't find a pen. Well, hopefully your your hand will move across your waistline until it finds the pen. If you don't find it at all, it means you lost it completely and you're out of luck. You're on your own. You slap, you find your weapon, you close your hand around the pen, you draw the pen out of wherever it is being held, the neckline of your shirt, your pocket, whatever, and then with the pen in your pocket, you drive it into the other guy. I prefer the hammer fist striking method with the tactical pen. I think that is the easiest to use. I think that is the most gross motor of the technique, if you will. And it facilitates reciprocating strikes. And reciprocating strikes are the bread and butter of using a weapon like this. You can use the same technique with a knife held in the reverse grip. You can use the same technique with a flashlight. With the pen in your hammer fist grip projecting from the bottom of your hand, you take your off hand, your, your off hand being the hand that does not have a weapon in it, and you clear the road with your off hand. What does that mean? Well, if you're fighting somebody, his arms are up, he's reaching for you, he's trying to punch at you. At the very least, he's got his hands out and he's trying to push his hands between you and him. You clear the road with your off hand. You slap his arms out of the way. Whatever piece of him is in your way, you slap down, you push it down, you get it out of your way, and then you stab down with your pen. Then your pen hand comes underneath your offhand as you slap down again, and the pen comes forward. What you're doing is kind of a disco dance move where your pen hand and your offhand cycle over and under each other so that you're always clearing and striking and clearing and striking, making a sort of uh, circular movement, you've seen this in like 70s disco movies where we take our hands and we make circles around each other with them and then one hand comes up and I point my finger in the air and it's like, ooh, 70s disco dance guy. Well, without the embarrassing finger pointing part, that's essentially what we're doing. We are clearing and striking and clearing and striking in an endless reciprocating sewing machine fashion. So when somebody comes up to you and gives you reason 
to use force against them. Well, I hope you become a sewing machine. I want to see that pen come out, and I want to see you striking and clearing and striking and clearing and just driving that pen into him over and over again until he stops his aggression against you. That's really all there is to it. So, what else can the tactical pen do? <coughs> is the tactical pen only a weapon? Well, it can also be a survival tool. There, There's a survival ethic that we practice here at the ISDQC. The, the layered approach to survival and preparation, meaning your survival preparations start with your person and move out from there to different levels and areas of the gear you should have. Your gear starts with the things you carry in your body. It then extends out to the stuff that's in the bag you carry with you every day. It then extends out to the stuff that you keep stored in your car, the stuff that you keep stored in your home, the stuff that you keep in another location. These are all layers and levels of survival. But that most important first layer is what's in your pocket. What do I carry with me every single day? What is my habit? What is on me? Because chances are when there's an emergency, when the fire alarm goes off and we all clear out and we leave all our stuff and we're just standing in the parking lot shivering without our jacket because there's a real fire in the building, or at least the alarm says there is. What do I have on me? Let's say I'm in a plane and the plane crashes. Now, granted, that's a one in a bazillion chance, thank goodness. But you survive a plane crash, is there much of a chance you're going to have all your accessories with you? No, you're going to have what's in your pocket. You're not going to have your briefcase or your carry-on or that other stuff, probably. Same goes for a car accident. Let's say you have to bail out of a car because it's, you know, filling full of smoke. And that might sound like something out of a movie, but I've done that. I pulled over in a car that was suddenly full of smoke and had to bail out. And I realized all I had with me was what was in my pocket. So when you plan your personal accessories, those personal accessories should be uh, designed to sustain you at the bare minimum level for survival and self-defense. So, for instance, I never leave the house without a Swiss Army knife on my belt, a knife and a flashlight in my pocket, the usual stuff that you carry in your wallet in my wallet, my phone, and a bandana, which has multiple survival uses. Um, we've talked about them before at the ISCQC. But another item, an additional item that I should be carrying, and that you too can carry and add to your complement of daily gear, is a tactical pen. For one thing, when you carry a tactical pen, you have a pen. I can't stress enough. Think about, there have been times in your life when you needed a piece of paper and you needed a writing implement because suddenly you needed to write a note for somebody and you weren't prepared for that need. You were out, you know, needed to leave a note for somebody on their car because you, you, you bumped their car and you need, need to leave a note for them or uh, you're looking for somebody and you had to leave a note saying, if you see this, stay right here, wait for me to find you. There's been any number of scenarios where you might need to suddenly Write something down. Write down a note or a phone number. We all have our electronic gear these days, and the art of using a pen and a piece of paper sort of becoming extinct. But the fact is there's always a use for it. When you carry a pen, you always have the ability to put ink on paper or on fabric or anything else. So the pen in and of itself as a pen is useful. But you're also adding a weapon 
to your complement of daily carry gear, and you're adding a weapon that happens to be, you know, relatively unobtrusive. Again, we're going to talk about this. The, um, the, the tactical pen might also be a means of, have you ever wondered, might I need a hollow metal cylinder? You see this thing on TV shows sometimes, you know, I've got to give him a tracheotomy. Who's got a metal cylinder I can shove in the hole I just cut in his throat? Well, the chances of you performing an emergency tracheotomy on somebody are pretty slim. But there may be times when you need a cylinder, like you need to siphon something, you need a straw, you need some means of containing some small amount of liquid. Uh, you need to prop something open. You need to pry. Just the other day, I used my tactical pen to pry open my gas tank. I have one of those gas caps. Uh, that has the metal, uh, uh, a little round metal plate on the outside, and there's a button next to my chair in the car that lets me unlock the gas tank so that nobody can siphon my gas out when I'm, you know, when my car is sitting unattended. Well, the problem is that that jammed, and suddenly I was sitting in a very cold gas station in the middle of a very cold winter, unable to put gas in because every time I pushed the button, nothing happened. Well, I tried using the key. And I tried using a knife. The problem is the knife was a very cheap knife from a toolkit in my trunk, and it snapped. My key was not long enough. The one item that I had that was able to, and this is ironic, act as a lever to give me enough leverage to open up that gas tank and was strong enough not to break was my tactical pen. You can buy tactical pens that are tailor-made to certain survival scenarios. Believe it or not, you can buy tactical pens that have fire starter kits in them. You can buy tactical pens that have little whistles in them. You can buy tactical pens that um, there are some models, I think, that have, uh, you know, like a flashlight in one end. I think it depends on how far we stretch the definition of tactical pen. But uh, many of them have that window breaker tip, which is very useful for breaking glass if, you ever, if you're trapped in a vehicle or need to get from here into there or from here outside of here, and to do that, I have to break through glass. Use your imaginations. We're not condoning doing anything illegal, but there are times when there is a glass barrier between you and something else, and you have to break it. Well, I don't know if you've tried to break a window recently. It's not easy. I watched a newscaster on TV the other day trying like heck to break a window in a, in a junk car and having a hard time with it. It really helps to have a glass breaker uh, in order to bust out a window. If you're really serious about breaking windows, it helps to have a spring-loaded center punch, too, but very few of us are actually going to carry that. If you want and you can uh, judge for yourself how much technology is an integral part of your life, you can even buy a tactical pen that is a tactical stylus. has that little rubber tip on the end so that you can use it with your favorite smartphone or tablet or touchscreen device. I personally started using a stylus model tactical pen because I was getting BlackBerry thumb. I was using my phone so much that I was starting to have repetitive motion problems with my thumbs. Your thumbs are not designed tap, tap, tap away on a smartphone all day long. By using a tactical stylus, I get all the benefits of a tactical pen, and yes, it does have an ink tip in it, but I also get that stylus end so that I can use my super cool knurled aluminum tactical pen with the glass breaker tip to uh, play Angry Birds or whatever the popular game is, uh, you know, surf the Internet, look at Facebook, whatever, and give my thumbs a rest. 
So that's one good way to read. If you're getting that phone thumb, getting a tactical stylus pen is a good way to not only add a cool accessory to your daily gear, but also to rehab your thumbs. Now, I, I want you to remember something. <coughs> and that is, the tactical pen, it doesn't really matter that it's a pen. We've chosen the pen because they're on the market and pens are useful. The concept, as far as self-defense goes, is that of the Yawara. The Yawara is a wooden dowel about five or six inches long. Come to us from the Asian martial arts world. The idea is a rigid piece of hard wood or metal or even plastic, when driven into somebody else, concentrates the force of your blow into a smaller area. This is physics. The Yawara being not your hand and being not your bones and not connected to your nervous system doesn't feel pain, doesn't break as easily as your human parts do, and therefore enables you to hit much harder and to do much more damage than, uh, you know, striking with your hands alone. There are people who will dismiss this concept. There are people who think that carrying a pen or a dowel or a flashlight, which can also stand in for you, or any of the other things that you could choose to carry that perform this function, they say, well, that's, that's just you want to feel better and you're not confident in your fighting skills, so you have to carry this weapon, and really it's not that effective, and he's just going to laugh at you and take it away while he mounts you and punches you and goes, you should have gone to your local MMA gym, you nerd. Well, these are the things that the people who love mixed martial arts are fond of saying, and that's not to say that mixed martial arts aren't awesome or that the people who practice them aren't very dangerous, but physics is physics. You take anybody of reasonable or average strength, you give them a tactical pen or a piece of wood or a flashlight, or anything else that is a rigid cylinder that is smaller than their hand. When they drive that rigid cylinder, which is hopefully textured so they can hang on to it while striking, into an opponent's body, into one of the targets we talked about, his neck, his throat, his eyes, his face, the muscles of the chest sometimes, uh, the muscles of the arms sometimes, the inside of the wrist especially, the back of the hands, you will do a great deal of damage. You will do so much damage, in fact, that you are multiplying the amount of effort that you could be doing on your own, and therefore, you are using a force multiplier. You are using a weapon. That's the whole idea. It's as simple as that, and dismissing that idea, either because it seems silly or because the way tactical pens are marketed is sometimes a little goofy, or because people just don't like the idea of carrying weapons, well, that's short-sighted, and that's silly. Our job, as people who believe in survival and in self-defense, is to stack the odds in our favor as much as we possibly can. You should never, when you leave your home, engage in a quote-unquote fair fight with somebody who is trying to mug you or assault you or rape you. You have the absolute God-given right to engage in a fight that is so unfair that it makes the other guy cry because... He has no right to attack you. And that is why we spend so much time talking about weapons like this, especially these sort of covert specialty weapons that are hopefully unobtrusive, the kind of things that can fly under the radar. I want to talk about that a little bit. <coughs> Forgive me, I've been 
uh, getting over bronchitis this month. That's how fun the climate here is. How's your winter been? Anyway, the the tactical pen, as we've said, is supposed to be uh, uh, the sort of thing that you can carry around and go, well, you see, it's a pen, officer. It's not a weapon at all. It's just a pen. Well, the concept's been with us long enough that most people who would be patting you down and looking for weapons will recognize the tactical pen for what it is, especially if it says a knife maker's company on it or it has a gun logo on it. You know, it says Smith & Wesson on it. It says Benchmade on it. And I'm not picking on those brands specifically. They're just there are some pens you can get that do say those things. Benchmade makes a very nice tactical pen, in fact. And uh, Taylor Cutlery, the company that manufactures all of the licensed Schrade and Smith & Wesson products, uh, you know, as far as my use and pens go, they make some really nice tactical pens. But if you choose a tactical pen that is very obviously a weapon, or you choose a pen that is aggressively weaponized, you know, it has that crenellated DNA catcher on the end, or, you know, it's so sharp that it looks like something you should be stabbing Klingons with. Well, there is the possibility that if you go through a security checkpoint, you will be called out for this fact. The best case scenario when you fail at a security checkpoint, what I mean by failing is they take your item that you were hoping to get through security and they tell you, sorry, sir, you may not have that. Well, that's the best case scenario because all they did was take your thing. You should never go through a security checkpoint with, I don't know, your grandfather's heirloom tactical pen. <laughs> because if they take it away, you either have to make arrangements to mail it back to yourself or you have to just give it up. You've seen the pictures of all the the knives and everything else that get confiscated by the TSA at airports that end up in bins and are either destroyed or auctioned on eBay or whatever the heck it is they do with them. Well, unless you carry around a self-addressed stamped padded envelope for mailing things back to yourself, you never want to carry anything into a security checkpoint, especially in an airport, that you aren't prepared to give up. That means if you're going to take your tactical pen onto a plane with you, there's a good chance you can, uh, provided it doesn't look too aggressive, but don't be surprised if it gets taken away. And also, here's another thing. If you get somebody who is particularly uptight about the concept of the tactical pen, they could accuse you of carrying a hidden or concealed weapon. They could say, well, you see, this pen is obviously an impact weapon, but you wanted me to think it was a pen. Therefore, you were concealing a weapon. You were dishonestly trying to get a weapon onto the plane, and therefore you're up to no good, and we're charging you with some kind of a crime. That's something to watch out for. Whenever you are in doubt, it makes sense to carry a pen that is simply a pen. When I travel to other countries, I don't take my tactical pens with me. Um, if, if, if it's at all possible, when I go to another country, or even to another state if it's across the country, I try to buy something locally. There was a period of time in my life when I would mail myself my personal accessories, my flashlight, my knife, and other things, so that it was waiting for me at the other end of a long journey. That's not always feasible, and it's not always convenient. What you can do is you can get to where you're going, find a shop that sells pens or tactical pens or knives or whatever, and provided those things are illegal there, you can buy them there. But let's assume you're going, I don't know, out of the country. You don't really know what it's going to be like when you get there. You have no idea what opportunities you'll have to shop. Well, one thing you can carry with you all the time is an ordinary pen. 
carry a metal-bodied pen. Go out and find yourself either a very nice uh, metal-bodied pen, or if you don't want to spend a ton of money, Parker makes a series of metal-bodied pens that are cheap, and you can buy them at any Walmart. The key is you want to find a pen that is sturdy enough to be used as a striking implement. And so whenever I leave the country, I just carry an ordinary pen and ordinary notebooks, and I use that pen to take notes. It's really that simple. I think we tend to overcomplicate things. We tend to make things harder than they need to be. And we forget that most of self-defense is ingenuity. It's how flexible can you be with the resources available to you. The tactical pen is a wonderful tool because the tactical pen is nothing more than a pen that happens to correspond to this whole body of martial thought attached to the Yawara. Any rigid cylinder that is longer than my hand can be used to poke and to punch and to hit. If it's sharp or tapered, it can be used to pierce and to stab. If it's not, it still does plenty of blunt damage. And let me tell you a story that doesn't involve a pen but does involve a wooden dowel. I have a friend who for years was an over-the-road truck driver. And for Christmas one year, I went out and bought a bunch of my friends those Kubatan keychains. These are keychains that were popularized by a fellow named Tak Kubota who marketed them to law enforcement as a compliance tool. Well, Tak Kubota was brilliant because what is a Kubatan? It's a piece of plastic or a piece of wood or a piece of metal. It's a cylinder. It's got some grooves for traction. Maybe there's a ring on the end for your keys. And that's all it is. You use it in the exact same way that we've been describing using a tactical pen and in the exact same way that you can use an aluminum flashlight. You put it in your fist, you drive the, the end of that weapon into the other guy, you clear with your offhand, and you turn into a sawing machine. That's the, the principle and the concept that works with all of these things. Well, my friend was carrying this dowel that I gave him on his keys, and uh, he happened to stop on this one particular route at this same coffee shop, uh, at, at the same time, and roughly, you know, he would go down from the northeast to the south every week on some run for, I don't know, carpet, I think it was, but he would uh, stop at the same coffee shop, middle of the night, get coffee, and be on his way. Well, one day, he stopped at his favorite coffee shop, and there was this very shifty-looking young fellow there who was acting very oddly, as people who are prone to crime tend to do. And the person behind the counter had one of those bank bags of receipts that they were getting ready to take out and give to the manager to, to go to the bank with. And darned if that squirrely guy didn't reach across the counter and snatch the bank bag. Well, my friend, being the, the type of person who acts rather than asks a lot of questions, took his wooden dowel and simply smashed this guy on the back of the hand with it and drove the, the pocket stick, the Kubaton keychain, down into the back of this guy's hand and into the counter. He said that it was like cracking a bag of walnuts. It made a sound unlike anything he had ever heard before because he broke this guy's hand. Now, a pen is smaller than a keychain like this, but some of these tactical pens are big enough, wide enough, and heavy enough to do a similar job. And the pointed ones won't just break the bones in your hand. You know, they'll dig in there and do some additional damage and maybe draw some blood. Now, it's up to you to decide whether that's what you want to do, but I tend to think that having that 
uh, that glass breaker tip on the end of a sizable metal-bodied tactical pen that offers me a great deal of traction, that is one heck of a weapon. That is a weapon that can be used to break the bones of somebody's hand before they can run off with the receipts. That is a weapon that can be used to shove into some guy's throat when he's trying to mug you or rob you or rape your wife. That is a weapon that can save your life and is generally going to be legal. With the caveats that we've established, you really need to be careful with how aggressive your pen looks versus where you take it. Whenever I go into, say, the federal building, because I need to go to the courthouse or I need to go to the talk to the nice folks at the IRS or anything like that, I empty my pockets of everything. Not even my phone goes into the courthouse or into the federal building because they look at you like they would strip search you if they could. You always need to be aware of your environment and you need to ask yourself, do I dare try to take this tactical pen beyond this checkpoint? What are the consequences if they decide my pen is a weapon? Is trying to take a weapon in there going to cause them to arrest me? Are they just going to take my pen? Are they going to deny me entry? And now, here I'm explaining, let's say you go to the state fair. I had this exact problem at the state fair one year. I went to walk into the state fair, and some idiot in a T-shirt, some colored T-shirt that marked them as like a volunteer, tried to stop me and tell me that there were no knives allowed at the fair. Well, I didn't have a knife with me. And I looked at her like she was insane. And she pointed to the clip on the flashlight that was in my pocket invisible. Well, at the state fair, had I tried to carry a knife in there, all they would have done was tell me, get out with your knife and come back when you don't have it. However, the same scenario plays out differently if you try to walk through a TSA checkpoint at an airport and they decide you're trying to sneak a weapon past them, as we've discussed. So always be aware of where you're going and what the consequences are. Oh, and <laughs> my friend who broke the guy's hand, he didn't feel like sticking around to talk so he just left. He put his money down, he dug his coffee, and he left. The following week, when he came through again, he stopped at the same place to buy the same coffee, and the same waitress was behind the counter. He put his coffee down, she looked at him, and she said, coffee's free. And he went on his way, and nothing more was discussed. <coughs> now, I do have another friend who was carrying a tactical pen and actually drove it into, uh, it's hard to describe when you can't see me, it's sort of the deltoid region of the chest. Uh, a guy reached out for him. It was in a sort of an aggressive bum who probably thought he would help himself to the guy's wallet. Reached out to grab our hero. My friend took his tactical pen and just in a hammer fist grip, drove it into that fellow's chest. It was painful. It made him gasp, and it made him sort of shrink back and down. And that's what you want. You want to drive people off you, to get them off you, and give yourself enough space to get away. We're not talking about taking a tactical pen or any other implement and grinding your enemy into dust, because how dare they attack you? Remember, all use of force, especially any use of force where you employ a force multiplier, is based on the concept of parity of force, and therefore you must be aware of when you escalate. What do I mean by that? The courts, and I'm not a lawyer, but the courts will generally allow you to use that amount of force that is equal to the amount of force being used against you and just a tiny bit more so that you can end the altercation in your favor. If a guy goes to punch me and I punch him instead and I punch him hard enough 
to put him on the ground, the force I've just used is on a level equal to the force that was used against me. If a guy goes to punch me, I pull a gun from my waistband, I put it under his chin, and I blow his brains out, that is not a an equal level of force. That level of force is not equal to the threat that was offered. Yes, people can kill you with a single punch, and you don't always get to know what their intentions are, but our courts generally would not condone employing a deadly weapon in what was up to that point a an initiated uh, uh, punch-throwing sort of scenario. <coughs> By the same token, using a tactical pen could be seen as introducing a potentially lethal weapon. Now, is the tactical pen usually lethal? Uh, not unless you stab him in, in the brain through the eyeball with it, uh, but it is a weapon, and it does allow you to do a lot more damage than with your hands alone. So when you introduce that weapon, it must be because you are in fear for your life. Introducing that weapon is to use a level of force that is roughly on par with the level of the attack offered. You know, he's bigger than you, he's stronger than you, there's more than one of him, or, again, you're in fear for your life. You must stop your counterattack, we'll call it, when he stops aggressing. If a guy comes at me, you know, relatively big guy, I judge that I would be justified morally and legally in using a pen. He reaches for me. He tries to hit me. I jab him with my pen. He goes out that smarts. He continues to attack me, so I just I turn into a sewing machine and I beat him down with that pen. Well, the second he hits the ground and is no longer capable of attacking me, I've got to stop. I can't stand over him and continue pounding his brain into jelly with my tactical stylus going, you picked on the wrong guy now, I've got a tablet computer and this aluminum stylus, screw you, buddy. You can't do that. <laughs> and granted, I'm using a little bit of humor, but in all things, in all self-defense, we must use only that force which is necessary to stop the attack, to neutralize the attacker, and to extricate ourselves from the dangerous situation. <coughs> Whenever you engage in self-defense with your pen, you should immediately find law enforcement and let them know what's happened. I say that because if you don't, you never know these days when there's a camera watching. You never know if there's going to be a surveillance camera in a neighboring building. Some person who has a cell phone camera. Uh, there are a million ways that we can be observed without our knowledge today, and cameras can crop up when you least expect them. Always, in self-defense, conduct yourself as if you expect that your actions were recorded and will later be analyzed. You must be able to defend what you did and why. You do not want to put yourself in a position where you become the bad guy. You are the defender. You are the good guy. You are the peaceful representative of all that is good and hopeful and light in the world. And therefore, if you had to pound him into the dust with your tactical pen and then stop when he was down, it had better be not only that he deserved it, but that that was the only way to extricate yourself from the situation. If you're carrying a tactical pen and I don't care a knife and a gun and a cannon and a battleship, if you can just walk away and prevent a self-defense scenario, well, of course you would. That's sensible self-defense, and that's the whole concept behind carrying tools that can preserve your life and help you survive across a, an array of adverse situations. We want to stress that whenever we talk about carrying implements of this type, whether it's tactical pens or tactical flashlights or tactical this or tactical that, the term is so overused today. People 
marketing has driven it into the dust. It's become a joke. You'll hear people use the term mall ninja as a, as a pejorative. And what does that mean? Well, I call something, well, that's very mall ninja if they happen to be advocating something that I don't agree with. That's the usage you'll see most commonly on the Internet. And a lot of times, carrying a tactical pen will be seen as a quote-unquote mall ninja thing to do. Well, it's not a serious weapon. It's just something that makes you feel better. It's a, it's a lucky rabbit's foot as far as weapons go. You'll see this attitude applied to tiny pocket pistols sometimes, too. Um, the fact is, the tactical pen is effective. Used in the manner that we have described here tonight, it can do a, a fairly serious amount of damage to an attacker or to multiple attackers. It is usually legal. It is usually unobtrusive. It will usually be the weapon you are permitted to retain in a variety of otherwise non-permissive environments. It is a weapon that is so well represented in the marketplace today that you have your pick of price ranges and features and sizes uh, and even those pen refills. If you don't like the refill that this tactical pen uses, you can choose this other one over here that uses the Fisher Space Pen refill or Maybe you have another pen. Maybe you have a nice metal pen that uses a specific type of refill, and you want to match that. That's fine. You should have a tactical pen. You should carry it with you. In my case, I have a tactical stylus pen, and that's what works for me. You should also have a metal-bodied pen that is just an ordinary pen that you could buy anywhere that you wouldn't be sad about losing if, if you lost it. Match those two together, and you have a sort of impact weapon solution for any number of scenarios. Taking the time to select and carry these weapons, taking the time to make them part of your personal accessories, making them part of you, essentially, that's not a bad thing. It's not paranoid. It's not tactical geekery. It's just the prudent decision to prepare before an emergency. So many people make fun of this idea or try to find a way to put it down. Well, who's being harmed if you choose to carry a really nice metal pen on your body? Nobody, unless you roll over on it. The fact is, the tactical pen is one of the least difficult items to obtain. It's one of the easiest to carry every day. It's one of the smallest in terms of the weight and the, the amount of space it takes up on your person. There's absolutely no reason not to carry one. You should go out and you should get a tactical pen today, and uh, you should start with a pen that meets the requirements that we described here today. If possible, it should have that glass breaker tip. It should be big enough and offer you decent traction. It should be made of metal, and uh, it should be something that you can picture yourself driving into a, a bad guy's face. I don't care what the specifics are. I don't care what you end up carrying as long as it works for you. What I do care about is I want you to be safe. I want your family to be safe. I want you to be prepared. Preparation, taking care of what could happen, taking responsibility for what is possible, for the adversity you might face. Well, we call that prepping. We call that survivalism. We call that any number of things. But there was a time when we just called it good sense. And we've lost that as a society today. 
now we have to give entire seminars on how to get it back. Well, you, because you are listening to this, you are one of those human beings who understands the need to be prepared, the need to protect your family, and the need to survive, despite the fact that we live in an often dangerous world, we live in a world that is full of crime, we live in a world whose physical conditions you can't predict, and therefore you might face something that constitutes adversity. Whether that adversity is weather or a person or a flat tire or it's dark in the middle of the night and you heard something in your living room or you're pulled over on the side of the road, doesn't matter. There's a certain amount of personal accessories you should be carrying with you and a tactical pen is one of them. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this special training broadcast on why and how to add a tactical pen to your everyday carry self-defense arsenal. And don't forget to claim your tactical pen as part of our special promotion. Just use the link on our website at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com slash pen to claim yours today. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.